this subject. It is what Jesus wants us to do. It is what Jesus wants us to do. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you are putting this on the table before us. That, Lord, you have set out a meal for us to chew on. That you have sent us, you have put out good food for us to eat. Lord, we thank you for this word today. Lord, let it get let us get real in our life. And let us do what you want us to do here in Wapiton Breckenridge. Lord, you have called us to this place. It's not by accident, Lord. And Lord, you have a job for us to do. We praise you for this. And we glorify you in the precious name of Jesus. And I thank you for your anointing that's here today. We praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, I, I never thought the offering would be actually my um, introduction to a sermon. Didn't realize that until now. That really was getting us ready to receive from the Lord. Now, now, this is a prayerful moment. You should be receiving from the Lord today. Not receiving from Pastor Kufal, but receiving from the Lord. Listen to what the Holy Spirit will say to you as we open up his marvelous word. Matthew 28. We're going to start there. In Matthew 28. This is, this is familiar words to you that you've heard before. Matthew 28. Starting in uh, um, verse 18. Now, Jesus wants us to do something. And this needs to be, what we're going to read right now, is, needs to be our number one focus for our church. Do you hear me? This needs to be our number one focus for our church. I was praying this week, and I was getting alone with the Lord, and I said, Lord, you're the one who builds the church, so how is it supposed to be done? I'm, I got the seeker-friendly church book in my office. I've read that. I've read this. I've read, and, and, and I reject the seeker-friendly stuff because of what it's become and what it is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, when you can have people sitting in your church for six months and they haven't gotten saved, but they feel good about going to church, but they haven't gotten saved, and they have an effect, and you sit down with folks who go to a seeker-friendly church and you try to find out what they believe, they have no clue. And that's a sad thing. That's a sad thing. Here's how Jesus says we're supposed to build a church, and this should be our number one focus. And what does he say here? And Jesus spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. If all authority has been given to Jesus, then why don't we do things Jesus' way? Come on. Why don't we do things Jesus' way? Why don't we do it by some seminar we've gone to? Why don't we try everything but Jesus' way? How else are we supposed to build the kingdom of God? No wonder we have... The sad folk, the fact is, the Bible says that in the last days, there will be a great falling away. And we've been seeing that here in America, a great falling away of our young people. It is so sad. It is so sad. And, and, and the Bible speaks to that. It's one of the things that you can say, hey, that's one of the signposts that say Jesus is coming back. Folks, he is. He is. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore. Hello? Go. Do something. Not sleep. Not play our video games. Not watch the latest show on TV. He says, go. Go and do something. You know what's more fun to go do something than sit around the old house? Come on. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Oh, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Go on making disciples. Making other Christians. But not just saying, oh, so here's the problem we've had. We've just gotten people to say the sinner's prayer, but we've never taught them nothing. How can you live the life for Christ if you've never learned what that life looks like? That's why he says, go, therefore, and make disciples. And it's not just... Of the people you like, he said, of all nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to explain what that discipleship looks like, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Think about that. So the thing that we need to make our number one focus of our church is that we need to be goers. We need to be doers. We need to get out there and act. We need to pivot right now and focus on winning souls more than ever before. We need to be sowing. We, this needs to be our number one focus. It is what Jesus wants us to do. Can we say amen? amen? My word, we got a lot of done on our building. We don't need to be focusing on our building so much. Even though I like to get the platform built and, and uh, turn the room back here back into a classroom by extending this classroom. But that's not my focus. I want to get soul saved. Because I get soul saved and we fill up this church, guess what? That'll be an easy thing to do and the platform will be built and it'll all be paid for before we drive the last nail. Screw the last screw. And we'll be able to put the carpeting on it right away. Come on. I'm believing. I want, to, I want us to find. I think we need to find some spirit-filled person who's not being used in their church who wants to be used of God who can sit on this piano stool or sit on a keyboard and play for the Lord. We got a beautiful set of drums here. I would love to see somebody who's spirit-filled, who loves Jesus, who will understand what it means to play a drum in church and come and play the drums for us. Come on, why shouldn't we expect that? We're focusing on getting souls saved. We got to run into people who know how to play instruments. And let me tell you something. We don't have to do it in our own strength. Did I, let me tell you again. You don't have to do it in your own strength because the Holy Spirit will help us build the church. He says, if the Lord, it's the Lord who builds the church. If it's not the Lord building it, we're just doing a vain job. The Holy Spirit will help us build the church. We need his help. If we go over to Acts chapter 1, you've heard me use this verse so many times. Acts 1, 8 says, oh, praise God. But you shall receive what? Power. Not your own strength, but power from the Lord to do what? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Are we seeking the Holy Spirit? Are, you seeking, are we seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we can have power to get something done for the Lord? My word, aren't you weary trying to do things in your own strength? Oh, Pastor, I've run out of people to talk to. It seems like I've run out of people to talk to. I'll tell you what. On the day of Pentecost when they all got filled with the Holy Spirit, <laughs> They just ran out of the upper room and God gave them a whole crowd of 3,000 people and 3,000 people got saved that They didn't have to do anything but open up their mouths and start proclaiming the, the truth of God. In fact, they didn't even know what they were saying. They were speaking in tongues and they were speaking in all those languages of all those people who come to Jerusalem for the, festive, the festival. And they were all there and they heard them speak in their own languages and the disciples didn't even know what they were saying. And then <clears throat> some people got up and started Criticizing. And Peter said, wait a second. He got up and preached the first sermon. And he said, this is that which the prophet Joel spoke about and has been fulfilled in your day. And let me tell you something. He is fulfilling more of that prophecy in our day. Look how many, he said, your sons and your daughters. He said, your sons and your daughters. He said, your sons. And your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men, you don't think you're done. And your old men will dream dreams. That's happening today. How many women preachers do we see today than we ever seen before? Are they not God's daughters? Come on. We got somebody in our own church who wants to work towards getting their exhorter's license. 
feels the call of God on their life. My word, the Bible says in the last states, he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. But what does he say here? Let's go back to 1.8. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come to you, and you shall do what? My word. If we say we believe this, then let's live it. He says, you shall be my what? Witnesses. Come on. Do you think you could be a witness while sitting in McDonald's? Yep. Do you think you could be a witness while you're sitting at the frying pan? Do you think you could be a witness while you're working behind the till at Taco John's? Do you think you could be a witness at Burger King? Do you think you could be a witness at the coffee shop? You know, I haven't been to the coffee shop yet. It's been here for years. I just haven't been there. It's supposed to be a nice place, but I haven't been there. You'll have to, if you've been there, just let me know what it's, um, you know, is it, yeah, it, it's a coffee good or is it burnt? Well, that's good. Because I'll tell you, there's no better coffee in town than it is McDonald's. It, it's over where the old... Uh, um, liquor store used to be. Uh, I'll tell you, can we be a witness there? Can you be a witness to your neighbor? By the way, can you be a witness to your unsaved spouse? <laughs> well, in your case, Tigger needs to get saved. <laughs> Praise God. You shall be my witnesses. You shall be witnesses to me, in Jer to Jesus, to Jesus in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I'm sorry, let me read this so that it makes sense to me. And you shall be witnesses in all of Wapatin and Breckenridge and to the end of of the earth. Can you imagine if we, we started doing what Jesus tells us to do? You think these seats are going to be empty? Come on. Pastor on the district told me, he, he's, he's retired now, but pastor on the district told me, oh, we had a pastor come and, 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 and to check out the church to become our pastor. And the, the church folks told them, we don't want to grow fast. Now, there's something about some logic in that, but we don't want to grow fast. So the church chose not to grow at all. That really, it's the truth. And so the church chose not to grow at all. And it wasn't that pastor's, and it wasn't the pastor who was on our district's fault. Because his desire was always to see the church grow and to make a difference in their community. But they were going to have a new a pastoral change. And because they decided that the man who was going to come didn't come, and so he sta the other pastor stayed, on the stayed in that church. And now they're trying to do something, but it's a lot harder what they're trying to do now than if they had just gone and said, we want what their attitude should have been. And if I had been district overseer at the time and I had gone there, I would have been saying, hey, it's time to do something for Jesus. It's time to, to, to move ahead. It's time to stop looking inward and start looking outward. We got to be looking at people. We got to pray, Lord, show me people that I can talk to today. Won't it be a lot easier? Did you ever just try to witness cold calls? I don't, I've done sales. And I'm a pretty good salesman. I don't like cold calling. Oh, I'd rather have somebody else set up the appointment and I'll go sell. Because I don't like cold. And most of you, the way you look at me when I say go be a witness, you all look the same way I do when somebody wants me to do cold calling. <laughs> cold calling is you just show up and say, hey, I'm the Fuller Brush Man. Would you like to buy one of my brushes? That used to be what the Fuller Brush Men used. And, and vacuum, Kirby vacuum cleaner guys used to go door to door too before they started to have people set up appointments. And that's very tough to do because you better have thick skin. You're going to get rejected a lot. 
right? Hey, it's so much easier when somebody else calls and sets up an appointment for you to show up to sell your wares. Well, if you just ask the Holy, Holy Spirit, show me who I should talk to today. Let the Holy Spirit do the cold calling for you. All you have to do is be willing to show up for your appointment. Does that make sense? Show up for your appointment. I know Tim, when he's out on his bike, broom, 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 he goes all over the place, and he meets rascals. I mean mean rascals. And, and sometimes he meets wimpy rascals. But he meets rascals. But he's always, Lord. That's what he says. Lord, help me to talk to somebody about Jesus. He does. It's his testimony all the time. You know what he's doing? Lord, you do the, you set up the appointment today and just bring me to that person I'm supposed to talk to. And sometimes he, he, he meets guys that look rougher and tougher and meaner than he does. And he gets through to them because he just tells them what Jesus has done for me. That's all a witness is. Oh, how? Oh, that looks pretty good up. I didn't look. But here's the thing, folks. We're going to run over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Amen. Oh, we should all be teddy bears for Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2.2. If we're going to be able to be a witness, if we're going to do, go and do what Jesus says, go, go and do something, go. We need to be committed to Jesus Christ and him crucified. Look what 1 Corinthians 2, 2 says. Chapter 2, not chapter 1, that'll help. Chapter 2, I determined, Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you except what? Jesus Christ and him crucified. We must take the message of the cross to our friends and family because it's only at the cross, at the foot of the cross, can someone be saved. There's no other way to heaven. Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. And so it's the only, the only place we find salvation is in the, what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary. And by the way, if you want to get sanctified... Go back to the cross because Jesus did the work of your sanctification at the cross. Did he not say, it is finished? Let his blood, I know this is not fashionable today. Let his blood do its work in your life. He shed that precious blood for you so that you made so that you so that you could have the answers to your prayers. He did the work. If we would just trust in the work that Jesus did, he did the whole job once and for all. And all we have to do is have faith in him to believe that he will finish it. Come on. Come on. You know, Paul says, oh, I can't leave here yet. I thought I was going to. <laughs> Paul had just came from Athens to Corinth. Paul went up there and was a big shot in Athens. Oh, my word. He, he sent the, his worker somewhere else, and Paul went up to Athens all by himself. I'm going to go to the capital of Greece. I'm going to go up there, and I'm going to convince them of Jesus. And, and he went there with all the great attentions that he could muster. He went there. He worked on his sermon. He had it polished. You can read all about it when he went up on Mars Hill there. He had three points and a poem got up there, he preached his heart out, he used man's wisdom, he used all his oratory skills that he learned in, in school. He, he was just brilliant. And when he got done, he only won a handful of souls. How unusual for Paul. And, and instead of going up there, coming down from Mars Hill with his head held high, his head he went up there with his head high and his head coming down with his head low. And he learned a valuable lesson. My teachers in Bible college, Dr. Ravy, had a nephew. And his nephew had been to cemetery, I mean seminary. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's an old joke. He had been to seminary. 
and uh, he came home, and he was there at his uncle's church, and and he was sitting next to the, the great aunt, brother Dr. Raby's aunt, sitting aunt, you know, the polished Baptist church, you know, sitting next to her. She was hard of hearing. You got to understand that. That makes the whole story make more sense. Dr. Ray, so proud of his nephew, said, Son, come on up here and greet the people. So he got up, chest out, arms back. Oh, the favorite boy had come home. You know, everybody loved this boy. And he strutted up to the pulpit, got behind the pulpit, and went, uh, I mean, this young man who was learning so much, knew so much of the Bible, he went, uh, and he looked around real sheepish. He says, well, praise the Lord. It's so good to be home. And then he walked back to sit next to his great aunt with his head down and his shoulders drooped, walking slowly, couldn't wait to get back next to her so he could just slink down in the pew and just disappear into the floor. Have you ever felt like that? Of course, his great aunt, who's hard of hearing, this is a true story, Dr. Raby told me this himself. His great aunt, who was very hard of hearing, said as loud as she could, boy, she thought she was whispering. You know, you ever been around people who are hard of hearing? They're just loud. I had an uncle like that. <laughs> My mom's brother. <laughs> Why is he always shouting? Because he can't hear. <laughs> no diesel truck all those years before they had mufflers on them. <laughs> uncle George was just loud. And then he had two boys that were just as big as he was, and they were just as loud. Because <laughs> their dad could hear them. <laughs> His great aunt looked at him, said, boy, if you had gone up there the way you came down, you would have came down the way you went up there. Oh, boy, now he really wanted to disappear. But that's what happened to Paul. So Paul says this, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come to you with excellency of speech. Stop worrying about how polished you are when you're witnessing. Paul says, I came to you without excellency of speech. I didn't come to you with wisdom. Wow, that's great. That's a big statement. Stop thinking you've got to be the smartest one of them all to witness to somebody. Declaring to you the testimony of God. Even though he didn't come with excellency of speech or wisdom, he was declaring the testimony of God. Just tell God's testimony. Come on. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Verse 3. I know it's not up there, but just listen. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Have you ever been there? Come on, let's be honest. Have we not been there when we've tried to witness? And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. See, we don't need all that stuff. But in, but, here's what I came in. But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Let the Holy Spirit do the work and all you have to do is a youth, faithful, chosen saint. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. My word. My word. Let the Holy Spirit do the work. It's the Holy Spirit that gets people saved in the first place. Well, then I don't need to do it. Yes, you do. You need to be the willing vessel. He does all the work. All you have to do is open up your mouth. He does the cold calling. He goes ahead and says, oh, I got over there for you to see today. You just don't know you're supposed to see Jimmy today. And you say, Lord, who am I supposed to speak to? Oh, see that kid over there? That's His name is Jimmy. Go talk to him. I, I, if you don't know the kid's name is Jimmy, you're probably going to have to introduce yourself and find out his name is Jimmy. But that's who I want you to talk to today. I have him for you to talk to because only you can get through to him. Come on. Oh, no, I want you, Tommy, I want you to 
Talk to Sandra over there. You went into Burger King, think you were picking up your sister, and she's still dragging her feet, getting out there. You go in there to hurry her along, and, and the Holy Spirit says, hey, timey, forget about your sister. She's going to take her time anyway. Go over there and talk to Sandra. You understand? <clears throat> He does it. And then all you have to do is open up your mouth. But he does the hard work. He gets them to receive Christ. We, I read that testimony to you. Little boy going to the movie theater. The Lord tells him, don't go in that place. And right there on the street corner with his ice cream cone in hand, he goes ahead and asks Jesus into his heart. Nobody had to do it, but the Holy Spirit had him ready. Holy Spirit had him ready. Come on, stop thinking that you're start thinking that the I'm sorry I, I don't mean to, to, to none of us are as special as we think we are let the Holy Spirit be special in you and just follow his leading and then you'll you won't be like that preacher boy who had to walk down like this after you get done going in to Burger King humbly you walk out there going oh hallelujah I can't believe what just happened I can't wait to get back to church and just brag on Jesus you don't know what happened. I went into Burger King. You know, Karen, she's just she's just taking her sweet time. Talking to everybody in the back room. She must be wasting time. Which she doesn't understand. Before Karen could leave, she was told to f clean up the fryer. <laughs> and and she's just doing her job. You just don't know. And I went in there and God told me, Go talk to this girl that was sitting in the corner. Her, by the way, her name is Sandra. Be praying for her. And, and I just sat down. We started talking. And she was going to commit suicide. And I just started talking about Jesus. And before we got done, she gave her heart to Jesus. And she had no more thoughts of killing herself. Um, can it be that real? Yeah. Do you know that suicide rate is up in this country is up 40%? Because we have, we, we don't put God first in our country anymore. And so we've taken that protection off of ourselves because we're looking for love in all the wrong places. We don't go to the cross in this country. So what happens? People are feeling hopeless. And if we don't share the good news of Jesus Christ, that they, because Jesus is the hope, that every man, boy, and woman, and girl needs because only he can take that wound in that heart and heal it. We need to embrace what Jesus would want us to do. Jesus Christ and him crucified and that alone is the message which will save the sinner, set the captive free, and give the believer perpetual, listen to this, perpetual victory. My friends, why are we walking around? Why aren't we walking around in victory? It's because we've forgotten to go back to the cross. Why do we look for help in the doctor, in the psychiatrist, in, 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 in philosophy, in everything else, instead of going to the cross and letting Jesus touch our life? Because there's victory in the name of Jesus. There's victory in his blood. There's victory at the cross. There's victory at his feet. We need to take up our cross. We need to take up our cross. Let's go over to Matthew 10. We'll run back to Matthew. I want to get back here to Matthew. And then we're going to run over to Mark. I might not have to run so far. <laughs> Matthew 10 and verse 38. Listen to Jesus says. And he... That's you and me. And he who does not take, does not take his cross and follow after me, look what it says, is not worthy of me. Mm. Mm. We need to take up our cross and follow Jesus. And as we do, 
If we follow Jesus, we need to take up our cross and follow Jesus and everything that pertains to it. So many times we don't want to take, take any of the things that pertain to walking in the Lord. Oh, it might just be too hard. <laughs> Come on. Can you imagine if you never did anything for Jesus and you just sat around? Did nothing for him ever? What would, you, what would he have to brag on you to his father about? We need to have Tato. We need to have, not Tater. <laughs> I don't know if anybody brought potatoes today. <laughs> we need to have total faith. We need to have total faith in the cross to the exclusion of everything else. We can only follow Jesus by way of the cross. It is not worthy of me, not worthy of the blessing afforded to me by the victory of the cross if I do it by any other means. Think about that. But if I follow Jesus by way of the cross, it's all worthy. We used to sing a chorus. You are worthy. What do you think we're talking about? He is worthy of everything. And Mark, listen to what Jesus said over Mark about the following him and taking up the cross. Mark 8, verse 34. And he called the people to himself with the disciples also. So it wasn't just the disciples, it was everybody, us. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Hmm. Let him desire. Now, when he's talking about denying yourself, here's what he's actually talking about. Because you're saying, oh, deny yourself? Oh, He's really being specific of what he wants you to deny. He says, listen, deny your own strength. Deny your own ability. Deny your own talent. Deny your own power. And den especially deny your carnal instincts. Put all of your trust and faith and preaching in the cross. Because then God can take your ability, your strength, your talent, and use it for at its greatest potential. Because you know what? What happens when you get filled with the Holy Spirit? He gives you giftings to use, which has nothing to do with your strength, hello, with your talent, or with your own power, and especially your own carnal instinct. Think about that. Why do you think the initial evidence of, speak, of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking in other tongues? Because you lose control of this that we don't use very well in the first place. My word, if I took a poll right now of Alan Marion and asked Marion, does Al always speak sweetly to you? Of course, she would say yes because she loves him. She does. But when she got home, you know, dear, I wasn't telling the truth completely. And Al would be saying, Marion, I'm just glad he didn't ask me. <laughs> Think about that. It's the truth. If you don't, everybody knew um, Norman and Norma. He would tell on her. And she would give him that little pat on the shoulder like, be quiet now. <laughs> because I could start right now. I was thinking about them the other day. Take up his cross does not mean suffering as many suppose. Do you know that?
Taking up your cross does not mean suffering as many suppose, but rather the benefits of the cross. So you're not suffering. Jesus already suffered on the cross. You're not, you don't have to do that work. You're not getting nailed to it. By taking up the cross, what you're doing is you're taking up the benefits of the cross. Oh, the benefits of the cross. I'm healed. I'm made whole. I got hope. I have heaven. I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I'm adopted. <clears throat> Can we keep on going? Those are the benefits of the cross, of taking up the cross. All those things that Jesus did for you are all the benefits that he did there at the cross. That's what he's talking about, taking up your cross, <clears throat> using his strength, using his ability, using his talent, using his power, but using the Lord's intellect. And then he says, follow me. Implying that Jesus cannot be followed unless it's by way of the cross. You can't come any other way to Jesus except at the foot of the cross. You cannot get saved without coming to Jesus. You cannot sneak in over the fence and follow Jesus. Jesus says, I am the door. No one comes unto the Father except by me. There's no other roads to heaven. There's only one way to heaven, and that there's only one way to God the Father. There's only one way to salvation, and that's through Jesus Christ. Muhammad can't save you. Buddha can't save you. Your yoga can't save you. Your psychiatrist can't save you. Your, your doctor can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> By the way, anybody who's been to a heart specialist, you know you better have the Lord saving you because he can only do as much as he can do. Doris is going to have the surgery, hope and heart surgery, to fix that clogged artery, right? You remember all that. We were all praying for her heavily. You know, she told she says, well, when you open up, me up there, and you start working on me, if you see Jesus, just tell him hi, because <laughs> Jesus lives in her heart. That's what she actually told him. Brother Belinsky, when he had his cut off they they stitched it up and they wrapped it up but he they couldn't find the tip of his finger the doctor says that's okay brother b he says because the doctor was saved he says all i can do is the stitching but it's the god it's god who heals he went over to otto's house after he got done with the doctor went over there because he was told not to go back to work so he goes over and otto looks at him and says what are you you guys would have loved otto he and glenn would have got along and, and, and you, you folks know what I'm, who knew, Glenn know what I'm talking about. Otto comes out of his, he was a farmer, came out of his house and said, B, what are you doing here? Hubert put up his finger like this, all wrapped up and bandaged up. And Otto walked up to him and grabbed a hold of his finger and squeezed it so tight and started, I mean, squeeze. Brother Belinsky says, I was seeing stars. And he started praying for me. It hurt. I'm going, what? I wanted to say, what is wrong with you, man? But he started praying right away, so I just shut up and let him pray. And he says, you know what happened? I went back to the doctor, and they unwrapped my finger. There was no stitches there. There was no scar there. God had grew his finger back. He says, he, the way he lost it was on the job because he was a tool and die maker. He wasn't paying attention, and the press cut off the end of his finger. That's why they couldn't find it. And he says, my job was important because I had seven kids to feed. He says, not only did he grow my finger back, but he changed the way my fingernail was, and I could pick up those little filings easier. He says, how great was that? He says, they brought me my insurance for losing my finger. And I says, I can't take that. Look, God grew it back, and the foreman just threw the check at me because he says, it's too much of a problem getting that, giving it back. Just take it and cash it. Brother Belinsky never cashed that check. He took it home, framed it on the wall as a testimony saying, look what the Lord has done. <clears throat> See, those are the benefits of taking up your cross. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
This is the foundation of all of our victory. We have new life in Christ, not by my own strength and ability, but by the virtue of me dying with him on the cross and being raised with him in newness of life. Can you say amen? If you want to do a little more study for those who are taking notes, write down Romans chapter 6, and it'll explain it there too. This should be reflected in my daily walk with God. I am crucified with Christ. You know there's a, there's a chorus that's this song? Nobody sings it anymore. I've been crucified with Christ is no longer. I love, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The cross, the cross is the ever, the cross is ever the object of my faith which is the only way, the only way I could be saved. You keep saying that, Pastor, because we need to start. You see, if we just narrow in on the cross, how easy it is to tell people. Just keep telling them. It's by the cross you're saved. It's by what Jesus did for you on the cross you're saved. Just tell them that he loved you so much he died for you on the cross. Just stress the Just give his testimony. That's all you need. <clears throat> use our own carnal intellect it doesn't work very well anyway <laughs> Romans <laughs> my word no I'm not going to say it Romans it's because it's not the Lord that's my own thinking <laughs> that one I know I don't have to say Romans this is my last verse Romans 1 16 116, Corey. For I am not ashamed. You know when we don't witness? You know when we don't go? You know what we're acting like? We're ashamed of Jesus. Hello? You know when we just don't share God's testimony with somebody? We're acting like we're ashamed of him. Are we? It's not about giving out that little business card. That's just a tool. It's you just sharing God's testimony with somebody. And maybe all you have time for is, you know, God loves you. And he loved you so much that Jesus died for you. If that's all you can get out to him, that's planting a seed. That's just planting a seed. You know how people are today. They don't want to hear nothing anymore. <laughs> Am I right? I mean, you, you just try to have a nice conversation with some people at Walmart. <laughs> of course, the last couple of days, the last couple of times we've gone to Walmart, it's been fun. We've just had run into people that, of course, everybody loves my wife, so we just run into people that love my wife, and so it's just, you know, it's just how it is. <laughs> they, they just see me as, oh, he's just accessory. <laughs> And you know what? I'll tell you right now, they're right. <laughs> for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And there's a reason for it. How can we be ashamed of the gospel of Christ? So listen, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who, for everyone, the whosoever will, to everyone who believes always been wanting to be the church of the whosoever will like I said I got all sorts of things we can we can grow this church through man's ideas I could put together the greatest business plan to grow a church and we could we could steal people from the other churches and do all that stuff and, and grow it in our own intellect and do it in our own way but would we really be the and and, and just as one preacher said in an old movie you got to focus on that neighborhood over there where all the rich people live what about all the poor folks? You, you know what I found? It's usually the poor folks who are living on Social Security that pays the bills of the church, not the rich folks who come to your church. I found that more often. Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through in the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get saved. 
Why do you think the president has such a hard time? Do you know he apologized to the church for making it hard on us sometimes at the prayer breakfast? He says, but I'm trying to learn. I'm learning. I'm struggling with some of this stuff. I watched him get convicted by the Holy Ghost at the prayer breakfast. And he got up and said, I'm having, I don't know if I agree with the speaker because I'm having a hard time with that. And he was, he preached about forgiveness and loving your enemy. And I'm having a hard time. And then later on in the day when he was taking his victory lap, he had told us why. Because it wasn't because they hurt me. Because they hurt my wife and they hurt my kids. They even hurt Baron, his youngest. And that's why he's having a hard time. My word. You know what, you know what President Truman said? You can hurt me. You can hurt Bess, his wife. You can even hurt my daughter. But when you start picking on my dog, that's where I draw the line. <laughs> I am not ashamed of the gospel. No, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love that C.C. Wyans closed the prayer, com prayer meeting with that song. They actually introduced her with her real name and her, married, her, her real first name and her married name. It was the first preacher that she worked with that gave her C.C. because he always called her brother B.B. and so he started calling her C.C. And so one day she was going to get up and sing at the ministry and says, now, B.B. and C.C. Wyman are going to sing. And she said, he didn't. And it got, she got stuck with C.C. all these years, and she's worn it with love. <clears throat> I'll tell you what. I'd, ra I'd rather have you know who I am. Doesn't call me as long as you know who I am. We need to shout it from the, mount, from the rooftops of Wapiton and Breckenridge. There's no mountains around here, so we got to get up on the rooftops. We need to shout the gospel message. We need to shout about the cross. We need to shout God's testimony with others. Let's redouble our efforts to share the gospel with others. And as we redouble our, our effort to share the gospel with others, Let's not do it in our own strength, in our own talent, in our own ability, in our own power, in our own intellect. Let's rely on the power of the Holy Spirit and we will see possibilities that open up before us. How the doors and opportunities will open for you and me to share the good news with others because it is what Jesus wants us to do. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. He hasn't brought us this far to let us what? Drown. That's how the song actually goes. He has brought us this far. Because he's got greater things in store for us than what's behind us. Can we say amen? Let us pray. Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. We just thank you. We praise you. Lord, use us. Help us to get so focused on what's important to you. Help us feel your heartbeat because what you love is what we want to love and what you love is sinners. Lord, let the Holy Spirit go ahead of us. Just open up our eyes to who the Holy Spirit wants us to talk to and help us just to share your testimony with them, Jesus. Help us to share your testimony and then, then we can bring in what you have done for us because of what you have done. Lord, let the cross become real in our lives. Let us walk, take up our cross, meaning take up all those benefits you've given us because you died for us. And Lord, you have chosen us. Mm. We want to be faithful. And, and, and Lord, we want to be faithful to you in Jesus' name. We thank you and we praise you. Hallelujah. You have chosen us. You loved us before we loved you. And you chose to save us. 
And we thank you for that. Help us to be faithful in Jesus' name. And all God's saints say, Amen and Amen. You know, we're eating here today. If So if we need to pray for you, if you want to get prayed for to get the Holy Ghost, um, we'll do that for you too. If you need prayer because you're not feeling well, we'll pray for you too. Because there's no... We don't need to rush today. Can I, you say amen? I, I might go back to the days when I used to give better altar calls. When we were in, like in the old building. But I never liked to, to make the altar calls go on forever and ever and ever and ever. And amen. And uh, I'd rather have you respond to the love of Jesus. And run the altars and get down to the altar. And let God do work in your life. We got to start using the altars again like we once did. We used to use the altars. And I'm not talking about. I'm talking as a response to the word of God. We need to start responding and say, yes, Lord. You know, Isaiah went to the temple one day to work in the temple. And the angel of the Lord showed up. And God's train filled the temple. And the angel started preaching. And he took the coals from the fire and, and, and touched Isaiah's lips. But when did that happen? When did God say, I'm going to start using you? I'm going to, claim, I'm going to make your lips holy. I'm going to make your tongue. I'm going to transform it to be used by me. When did, he, when did it happen? It's when Isaiah responded to the moment. He ran to the altar. He said, here I am. Because God preached a sermon. Who shall I... Who will go for us? Who shall I send? And all of a sudden, Isaiah responded to the word of God that's being implanted in his life. And he says, here I am. Without, I don't even think he thought about it. I think he got so caught up in the moment and the joy of being in the presence of the Lord. He says, here I am, Lord. <clears throat> send me. And then the angel came and took the holy coal from the altar and touched his lips because he was a man of unclean lips and God used him mightily and we still Isaiah today are we going to respond to God's word of course today's response really needs not just to be done here the response to the word today your really your real altar call is to go outside these doors into that mission field of Breckenridge and Wapaden and let the Holy Spirit use you by saying, Lord, open up my eyes. Let me see the person I'm supposed to talk to today. Can you imagine if you would go ahead and do that and that person gets saved and they start coming to this church and all of a sudden that person goes out and you go 